Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the exposit story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. Baldhead Bible Podcast is committed to keeping our show free to the public. However, as with everything, there are expenses involved, so if you would like to contribute, head on over to patreon.com, that's patreon.com forward slash baldheadbible, and there you can become a supporting member for as low as $1 a month. While there, please check out some of the bonus material available only to our BHBP supporters. And some of that material includes Bible study guides to help you use the podcast to minister to your children, to minister in a Sunday school class, and to have some quality family devotions. Evil. Evil. E-V-I-L. Evil. That's what it was said of the kings of northern Israel. Last week we learned about King Asa, the king of southern Israel. And his grandfather did evil, and his father did evil, but King Asa said, I am going to do what's right. And the Bible says of King Asa, he wholeheartedly devoted his life and his heart to the Lord all his days. And the Bible says King Asa did what was good. But of the kings of northern Israel, evil. Evil, evil, evil. That's what could have been written on their graves. That could have been written under the picture in the Kings of Northern Israel Hall of Fame. Under their picture, evil. E-V-I-L. That's what the writer of 1 Kings says over and over again. Again, these kings did evil in the sight of the Lord. Now, it's interesting. King Asa reigned for 41 years in southern Israel. And southern Israel was blessed for 41 years with this godly king who led a revival. And for 41 years, they were blessed by this king. Well, northern Israel... During the same time span, the 41 years of King Asa rule, guess what? They went through five different kings. And each one of them was known as evil. What do you have to do for God to say of you that you're evil? Think about it. You're born in sin. You live sinfully. You think bad thoughts. So what did these kings do in particular that God said of them? They did evil. What 
did they do where God could write through the through the writer of First Kings? God inspired this writer of First Kings to write of all the kings of northern Israel during Asa's reign that they did what was evil in the Lord's sight. What do you have to do that's so evil that that's written about you? What well, all began with their father, or their grandfather, or their great-grandfather, it all began with the guy who started the whole northern Israel dynasties, and that was Jeroboam. In Jeroboam, to stop people from heading south to worship Yahweh, he started his own religion. And in Bethel, he set up a golden calf. And in northern Dan, he set up a golden calf. And then he started his own priesthood and he said, hey, come worship Yahweh at these calves and worship him at these centers of worship here in northern Israel. And so the people did, which broke the laws in Deuteronomy and Leviticus and Numbers on how to worship Yahweh properly it was all laid out. Jeroboam broke all the rules. And they started worshiping Yahweh in wrong ways. And then they started bringing in their own religions from the Canaanites, barring a little bit of Asherah and Asherah poles and high places, worship to Baal, bringing it all in from these Canaanites surrounding religions until the people totally forgot about the Lord or thought they were worshiping the Lord but in wrong ways and in fact they were worshiping other gods and if you want to know what to do that is so evil that God says that you did evil in the sight of him you lead your people to worship other gods it's that simple you lead your people to worship other gods you lead your people to be disloyal to God. That is what you did. Asa, on the other hand, for 41 years, encouraged his people to be loyal to the one true God, to keep the covenant that they made with Abraham and their forefathers and Moses, to keep that covenant, that righteous covenant between God, Yahweh, and his people. The kings of northern Israel, they broke that covenant all the time, and they didn't care. And they began to pursue other gods. Their hearts were not loyal to the one true God, Yahweh, like their father David was. Instead, their heart pursued other gods, and these kings led their people in it. And it started with Jeroboam, first king of northern Israel. And if you remember, last time we bumped in his story, Ahijah the prophet said, all the males in your line are going to be wiped out. Well, Jeroboam dies, and the next king in line is a king called Nadab. He's the second king of northern Israel, Nadab. And he reigns for two years, and it looks like Ahijah's prophecy isn't coming true because Nadab is Jeroboam's son, and he's reigning well, it says of Nadab that he did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He led the people to worship other gods. He himself worshipped other gods. And he's a son of Jeroboam. And look, his line's continuing. Hide you the prophet. You don't know what you're talking about. Well, God's prophecies always come true, right? 
because God raised up a man named Basha, B-A-A-S-H-A. Later on, one of the prophets says, God raised you up from the dust of the earth. He, like Jeroboam, remember, was a nobody. Jeroboam was raised up by Solomon because he saw what a good job he was doing. Basha's the same boat. We don't really know a lot about him, but he wasn't in anybody's line. He wasn't the son of some king. He was just some ordinary individual that God used to accomplish his will. And Basha, he rises up. He gets power, and he kills Nadab. We're not exactly certain how he killed him. It just says he struck him down at Gibbethon. Nadab and Israel were besieging this town in Philistia called Gibbethon. And maybe in the middle of the battle, Basha comes up to him and whack, just whacks off his head or something like that. I don't know, but Basha kills Nadab in the middle of this battle in the siege, and Basha is now king. Well, Basha, to secure his reign, goes about killing the entire house of Jeroboam. If you're one of Jeroboam's sons, Basha whoop, kills you. If you're one of Jeroboam's cousins, whoop, Basha kills you. If you're one of Jeroboam's nephews, whoop, he kills you. Now, if you're a niece, he's going to leave you alive. He kills all the males of Jeroboam's line, and Ahijah's prophecy comes true. Jeroboam's line, all the males are killed, wiped out, done with. The Jeroboam dynasty is over. And the Basha dynasty is here. Well, Basha becomes the third king of northern Israel, and he reigns for a pretty long time, comparatively, 24 years. And Basha, if you remember last time, he ends up fighting against Asa. And Basha is a thorn in the side of Asa, and he tries to expand his territory. And Basha, we know, was this king who had some military power, and he reigned for 24 years. But guess what? What was written about his reign? E-V-I-L. God said, Basha, you're evil. You did what was evil. Basha did what was evil in the Lord's sight. What did he do? He didn't tear down the altars. He didn't stop worshiping Yahweh in the wrong way. He led his people to worship other gods. As the leader of the country, he encouraged northern Israel to pursue other gods and to leave their first love, Yahweh. And the thing is, God had raised him up. God had brought him along out of nothing, saying, I'm going to use you to fulfill my prophecy. Well, eventually, Basha, he's going to meet a reckoning. God is not just going to let him get away with it. And one day, a man named Jehu, this prophet, comes into Basha. And he tells Basha, I have a word, King Basha, from the Lord. And it is this. I'm going to strike you and your house and your lineage dead. 
You are going to be just like the house of Jeroboam, which means you are going to be no more. And God says through Jehu, I raised you up, Asha, from the dust. But guess what? Because you did not follow me, because you did not walk in my ways, but instead you caused my people Israel to sin. Basha didn't just pursue a God himself. He, in some way, during those 24 years, encouraged the people to sin. How did he do that? Probably by having festivals at these shrines where they're worshiping other gods. Probably by giving people tax breaks if they build Asherah poles. I don't know how he did it, but he encouraged the people to sin. And God says, I'm going to hold that against you, Basha. I raised you up. Probably God made him the same promise he made Jeroboam. I'm going to give you a kingdom that will last if you follow me, if you follow Yahweh. But guess what? He doesn't. So Jehu says, Basha, all the men of your reign, all the men, all your ancestors, all the people who come after you are going to be wiped out. The house of Basha will be eradicated, destroyed. We don't know how Basha dies. All the Bible says is that he died. And I don't know if he was stabbed in the back or killed by one of his sons. It seems like whenever you gain power as a king during this time, it's a dangerous place to be because everybody wants your job. Everybody wants your power. Well, maybe he got a disease. I don't know. But Basha dies after reigning for 24 years. And then Elah, Basha's son, becomes king. Again. Just like Jeroboam when Nadab became king here. Basha, his son Elah, becomes king. Which it seems like, uh, God, I thought you said all his line was going to be wiped out. Here is son Elah is king. Well, Elah, he reigns for two years. Just two years. And during those two years, he doesn't do a lot except get drunk. And he loves to party. You know, I imagine Elah's sort of like that son who's like, Dude, I really enjoyed this party with my friends. And we went surfing. And we were at the skate park. And, you know, he has headphones in listening to thrash metal. He's just into the party scene. That's how I envision Elah. Because it says of Elah that he is murdered. And he is murdered while partying at the house of Arza. He was getting drunk at his friend's house, and here comes somebody and kills Elah while he is totally knocked out drunk. What a thing to be said of your reign, that, hey, you reign for two years, and then you get killed while you are hammered partying with your friend Arza. Well, Elah's killed, drunk. What an embarrassing way to end your reign. But you know who kills him? One of his soldiers, one of his big-name officers. And his name is Zimri, Z-I-M-R-I. And he's commander of half his chariots. 
chariots were like the tanks of the day. So this is like your head tank commander coming up and killing you while you're partying with your friend Arza, smashed out of your brain drunk. Zimri, one of his commanding officers, kills Elah. This, in fancy words, is a coup d'etat. This is where some force within the country throws a coup and takes over power. He was not a son of Basha, Zimri wasn't. Zimri was not Elah's son, Zimri wasn't. Zimri was some nobody with a lot of power and a lot of strength. Well, Zimri, just like Basha, fulfills the word of the Lord because in a very short period of time, he kills all of Basha's sons, all of Elah's sons. Again, if you were related to Elah or Basha as a male in any way, as a man or a boy, whack, you were killed by Zimri. And Zimri becomes king, yes! And Zimri reigns for seven days. That's it. Zimri becomes king and then reigns for seven days. And in those seven days, he wipes out all the house of Basha so that they're no more. That's a lot of killing. And he reigns for seven days. What a short reign. Because when people hear that the Zimri, who is basically an officer of the army, and he becomes king, there's a lot of people in northern Israel who are like, hey, who's this Zimri? I don't know who Zimri is. He's getting a little big for his britches. Well, people go and tell another commander in the army. And his name is Omri. In fact, the Bible says he is the army commander. And all the troops in particular heard that Zimri, this officer over here, had killed Elah, thrown him off the throne. Now he's calling himself king. And Omri's like, hey, I tell Zimri what to do. So Omri... The army commander, he looks around at his troops and they're yelling and they're complaining about who in the world is this Zimri. And what's worse is Omri gets the news of Zimri becoming king while him and all the troops are fighting back at this town called Gibbethon and they're encamped against the Philistines and they're about to go into battle and where's Zimri? He should be with the chariots and the tanks over there. No, he's making himself king. And all the troops start to complain, I'm sure, and then say, you know what? Let's make Omri, our commander, king over Israel. Yeah, yeah, if Zimri can be king over Israel, let's make Omri. He's way cooler, he's way tougher. Let's make him King over Israel, rah, there's cheering. And so Omri and all the troops of Israel leave Gibeathon. And they march back to this town called Terza, which was the capital of northern Israel at this time. And remember, Zimri reigns for seven days. And Omri... And all the troops led by Omri besiege Terza, which means they surround it. They don't let any food in. They don't let any food out. Well, 
Usually a siege warfare takes months. It takes a while to starve people out. But like I said, Zimri reigned for how long? Seven days. Well, Zimri sees the writing on the wall. He sees the family of Basha. I killed them all. Omri, all the troops are against me. He probably had very few friends left. So you know what he does? So as he goes to the citadel of the palace, it's probably a large tower, and he maybe covers the citadel with pitch, and he lights that on fire, and just burns it to the ground, while Zimri is inside. He burns this citadel on top of himself. Zimri commits suicide. He knew what was going to happen to him under Omri. He knew his days were numbered. And he says, I'm not going to let Omri kill me. So he kills himself. He reigned seven days. Well, Omri now becomes king. And the troops are like, yes, Omri is king. We love Omri. Well... There was a whole other group of northern Israelites who loved another man named Tibni, T-I-B-N-I. So you had Tibni, who some of Israel followed, and then you had Omri, who some of Israel followed, and there was basically civil war in northern Israel. Are you part of the team? Are you on Team Tibni? Are you on Team Omri? Well, the thing Omri had is he had the army. He had the troops. And some people think this civil war, if you want to call it, this clash between the Omriites and the Tibniites, lasted for about six years until Omri, it says simply in the Bible, that he proved stronger than those who followed Tibni. The followers of Omri overran the followers of Tibni. We don't know how quickly this happened. It might have been six years, and why do we think that? Well, after six years, Omri moves the capital from Terza to this land he bought for 150 pounds of silver. Eventually turned into this city called Samaria. And Samaria becomes the capital of northern Israel from then on. And so some people think he fought Tibni for those first six years. And when he finally had control, he had enough power to say, hey, we're moving from Terza. And we're building this huge fortified city called Samaria. And Samaria was on this beautiful area where it could look out and see all the land. And it was up. Omri was smart. He built this place. It would be hard to attack. And then he picked this place, which he bought for 150 pounds of silver, which was a lot of money back then. He picked this place because it was on major trade routes. And for years to come, if you wanted to get anything done, you traded in Samaria and you had to go pay taxes to Samaria. I mean, this was a good move by Omri. Omri is smart and he reigns. Those first six years included where he's fighting Tibni, right? And then those next six years, he reigns for 12 years. And he is king over northern Israel for 12 years. But you know, there's something said of Omri that wasn't said of the previous kings. Remember, we had Jeroboam. He dies. His son Nadab becomes king. He dies. 
Basha rises out of nowhere and he becomes king. Then his son Elah becomes king. And then Zimri rises up out of nowhere and kills Elah while he's getting drunk and partying with his friends. And Zimri reigns for seven days. And then we have Omri. And each one of those kings, God says, they did evil in his sight. Encouraging the people to pursue other gods. Well, Omri says in 1 Kings 16 verse 25 that he did more evil than all who were before him. The other kings were bad before him, but Omri was the worst of the worst. And it goes on to say that he caused Israel to commit sins, angering Yahweh, the Lord God of Israel, with their worthless idols. Well, Omri reigns for 12 years. E-V-I-L. Worse than everybody before him. But then he dies. And then there arises a king. And if you think Omri was bad, this next king, he is even worse. And his name is, well, come back next week and you'll find out who he is. But I just want to say, Northern Israel, you're not doing well. And the simple thing they did, the most evil thing they did, and what they are being judged for is their disloyalty to Yahweh. Their encouragement of the people to pursue other gods, to break their covenant with Yahweh, and to pursue Baal and Asherah and whatever other gods that they made up. They were pursuing other gods and their hearts were not wholeheartedly devoted to the Lord. I just pray that that's not said of us today. I just pray that as an individual... You say, I'm going to follow Jesus. We live in a very multicultural society where you hear of all the other gods that are out there, right? You have the Islamic God, Allah. You have Hindu gods. You have Buddha, which mainly follow yourself and that God within. And then you have Confucianism. And then you have Zoroastrianism, if you really want to get specific. You have all these different religions out there saying, hey, follow me, follow me, follow me. And... Yahweh is saying today, if you want to follow me, if you want to be loyal to me, you've got to follow my son Jesus. If you haven't made that choice, today is the day to make that choice. Decide in your heart, I am going to be loyal to Jesus and follow him. Because Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. What are you going to do with Jesus? And those of you who are saved, those of you who are following the Lord, I just want to say one part of salvation is saying, I'm going to be loyal to Jesus. All these other competing gods I'm going to discard, I will not worship them in any way. And it might be a good thing to think through your family and your life. Am I in some way worshiping another god? Is my heart wholeheartedly devoted to Jesus, is it? 
every day get up and say, I'm going to have a heart wholeheartedly devoted to Jesus and no other God. I pray that when God looks down, he says, hey, you are doing good. And I pray that evil is not written across my story. I pray that I am loyal to Jesus the rest of my days. Thank you for listening to Bald Head Bible Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can comment on our Facebook page or email us at baldheadbible at gmail.com. If you would like to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash baldheadbible. Bald Head Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. New episodes added every week.